And the other thing that I do, just speaking about play, is I, um, I assemble a lot of jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very um, aligned with the work that I do because it helps strengthen that muscle, that intuition muscle of figuring out where things go and how they fit together. That was Christian Marie Heron, our guest this week on Creative Habits Podcast. She's a strategic storyteller and coach. Excellent show for you. My name is Wyatt Chrisman. I'll be your host as we explore creative habits. Is it the aha moment or is it the habit? Enjoy the show. Well, thanks for having me, Wyatt. I'm Christian Marie Heron. I'm a strategic storyteller and business coach. I work with amazing entrepreneurs and professionals. Uh, I help them organize all of their experience and talent in a way that conveys just how great they are at what they do. And I help them tell their story in a cohesive, resonant way so that they attract the right clients and opportunities into their life. Nice. So now you, you help them tell their story. And, and I like this one part on your website. It says, you know, telling your story is what makes you real. Right. And that quote uh, just really stood out for me. And as I was copying and pasting into uh, Google Doc, um, I eliminated the formatting. And it was through that process I realized, oh, we've, we've taken the formatting out of our own lives. You know, when we are in a context around other people, we kind of eliminate our own formatting to kind of fit in. And Absolutely. I, I thought it was kind of interesting how that, that interplay comes in. So you are really into story. And um, how did that start? Like, how did you um, come into that experience for yourself? Well, so I've always been a writer. I've been writing since I was a little kid. And I've always been really good at helping other people organize their thoughts and organize, you know, what they wanted to do with their life. I was an HR manager for a long time before I started this business. So I've done a lot of counseling, a lot of listening, a lot of deep listening skills, and also developed um, a pretty good sense of intuition. So um, it, it, it's sort of interesting how this came about because I originally quit my job almost two years ago, not really even understanding what direction I would take my business in. I knew it would be some element of coaching, but um, didn't really know what that would look like or how I would differentiate myself from other people. And it was really through doing a lot of inner work, a lot of journaling, and a lot of working with other coaches that really helped me get to the point where... It sounds crazy, but I literally was sitting on the couch one day and had this download of this idea of me helping people tell their stories. That seemed to be um, a really good use of my writing skills and a really good way I could serve other people is by helping them tell their story because so many people undervalue themselves, my, my, myself included, for a long time. Um, and it happens a lot with introverts, position their expertise in a way that felt really comfortable for them. Right. So you use your intuition to pull out uh, gems from within other people's lives and you're writing to shine that uh, to other people on the web, is it? Yeah, that's it's so but I, the work I do is very collaborative. So it's not me, you know, talking to people and then superimposing what I think their story is. Mm. It's it's a um it's a process by which they are given assignments. I ask a lot of deep questions for them. And that's a starting point. We have our coaching session where we go a little bit deeper because very often I can hear what's being said underneath the dialogue. 
without them even realizing it. And then I will always check for um, confirmation. And I usually do that by way of follow-up question. So that makes sure that I, I encompass everything that they'd like to include about in, in their life. Because what happens is when you're in your story, it's very hard to tell it. <laughs> you know, you're sort of on, on your journey. And, and most people, most adults have such a wide variety of experiences. And I happen to specialize in people who have an eclectic background and, and even able to organize it and package it in a way that's really compelling for them and makes them feel really good. Right. Yeah. That's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful um, process. I love the idea of uh, co-collaboration, you know, because oftentimes I do in, in some experiences see where there is that super, you know, imposition upon uh, a creative endeavor, like, okay, this is how I see what you should do rather than really drawing it out and, and, and working on it together. So you, you that, that's a beautiful process. So what, what content have you been, you know, working on recently? So the content that I, I work on is primarily the work that I do with, with my clients. And again, I work with both entrepreneurs and people uh, that are professionals and are looking to position their expertise. Maybe they're looking for advancement or they're looking to, um, you know, leave the company that they're with and find another opportunity somewhere else and feel like they're more than just a collection of job titles or experiences. So um, that's the content that I've been working on. The, the stories that I create for people are very customized. I don't use a template approach. I do have sort of the same basic questions that I ask initially, but um, again, after or usually during our session, um, unique questions come about that I have them answer. So it, it makes makes certain that their, their stories are, are um, customized for them. So, um, and again, I keep bringing up introversion, but I seem to be attracting a lot of introverted entrepreneurs, <laughs> hmm. which is great for me um, because I understand, you know, how they feel and certainly have walked in their shoes and, and it's, this problem isn't just unique to, to introverts. It's, it, regardless of your personality trait, a lot of people suffer from the imposter syndrome where they feel like if something comes easily to them, for instance, writing comes easily to me, or if say someone's in the technology field and that comes easily to them, then there's this sensation of downplaying what it is that comes naturally to them. So I help them reframe that and say, no, that's, this is very unique. This is something that's you know, beautiful and unique to you. And here's how you should be highlighting it. And here's how it all fits together with who you are and what you do. Yeah, the imposter syndrome. I like that. I've I've seen some people, you know, kind of use that as a barrier so they don't expose themselves too much. Yes. Because it it when you do, you're you're kind of opening yourself up for more than just saying, okay, this um all kinds of of things get uh, in, interplayed in there, so it 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 is almost like a shield. I think that some people will use. Yeah, it. it's it's definitely a shield, and and the uh, the the temptation is to choose that as an avoidance mechanism to avoid getting knocked down. Right, right. Huh. So, do you express that within? Do, do you try to? Outside of what you do with clients, do you are you able to express artistically some way with your writing or otherwise you, your uh, ideas of story? You know, I don't do a whole lot of um, writing on the subject of story, although I plan to. Um, nice. Because of the work that I do, I do a lot of research. I work a lot with metaphor. And 
because I'm a writer, I'm always reading. So I primarily, the bulk of what I consume um, from a reading perspective is a lot of nonfiction. And it can come from a variety of, of genres. So the work that I do, I could be inspired by something I came across this morning or something I read 10 years ago. It just really depends. But yeah, I'd love to expound on the use of story because it's it's as old as time, right? That was the original way of, of communicating and, and passing down who we are and, and what we do. Yes, I'd love to see the book. You know, I'd love <laughs> to see that because you've got all these co-creation experiences and it that would be a beautiful expression for you to, you know, culminate that into a, into a book. Uh, it seems a natural thing to do, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what are you, you you're co-creating with, with other people. You're revealing the gems in their lives and, and you're, you're bringing that up through your writing. What are your habits that allow you to, um, you know, keep structure and play at the same point? Or, or do you just rely upon structure? How, how does that work for you? No, I use both structure and play, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I think it's really important because I do so much reading of nonfiction. It's important to incorporate fiction at times too, so I'll do that in small dosages. Um, and usually, I, I, and the other uh, medium I like is I like reading blogs. There's certain bloggers that I really like, and I like um, you know humorous blogs and that kind of thing. Sort of takes me out of my element. And the other thing that I do, just speaking about play, is I, um, I assemble a lot of jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very um, aligned with the work that I do because it helps strengthen that muscle, that intuition muscle of figuring out where things go and how they fit together. Oh, I love it. That's so great, the jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Huh. It, it does. It aligns with what you're describing. So that's the part of your play. What about the structure? Do you, is there a time you work best? Or? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a night owl. I work best at night. And when I am working on a project for a client, I have to go full stop. I, I am not the type of person that can work on it in pieces over a, a period of days or weeks. I have to do it all, all at once. That's just my, my process. Wow. That is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is challenging, and, and I, I I wish there was a way, an, an alternate way that that um, I could feel comfortable. But I sort of have to, you know, when the muse is with me and I'm writing and assembling, I can't leave it. I have to stay with it until I'm finished. Right, right. Do you ever try to stretch and go the other direction and have a longer, just to kind of you know play with your process? Well, so I do give myself time to download. So after our session, I will download everything that was said and then send some follow-up questions. And it gives us both time to de decompress. So I don't start working immediately. I need to be, you know, feel like I had that motivational spark to, um, to understand the thread that I want to pick up with, with a story. And again, it's different for each person. So once I feel I have that thread to pick up, then I can start the writing process. Hmm. But I found... Early on when I was working on these stories, that if I waited too long to start the process, I lost a lot of that motivation. And it was much harder for me to get back to that place, that groove, that, that creative zone, if you will, to, to, um, to get in there and, and really feel um, enthusiastic and, and feel on, in, in direction as far as finishing the story. So that was a good learning lesson for me early on is to not let too much time pass by. Right, because you're not in that same source mindset that you had when you were right. in the direct connection. That makes a lot of sense, really. What about your download process? You mentioned it a couple times. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if you could expand upon that. 
Yeah, so, so my download process really involves me just reviewing all the notes. I do a lot of note-taking, you know, both before the session. I'll, I'll take notes on what people send me because I have people send me a current version of their story, and I have them limit it to three pages because, again, another learning lesson. I've had people send me, you know, reams of, of, of their, their life, which I'm, I'm happy to, to read, but it just became, becomes too overwhelming for, for both of us. So I, I, I really um, I set boundaries that way for my clients to, you know, I encourage free writing. I don't care about punctuation um, or any of that kind of stuff. Spelling doesn't matter to me. It's, it's really about the creative process of getting out, you know, whatever's in their subconscious onto the page. Um, so I, I'll take time to just sit with the material and not try to arrange or um, start writing or anything like that. And again, I just wait and it's different for for each story until I feel ready, until I feel that thread of readiness, and then I start. That thread of readiness, yes, that magical thread. <laughs> you, I, I love that you're, you work with free writing and tapping into the subconscious. It, I really resonate with that. Is, can you elaborate upon the subconscious part that you feel is revealed? Well, I think a lot of people initially are maybe um, self-conscious about what they send me. So I always, you know, give them um, comfort in the beginning that, you know, this story, it's very much a collaborative process again, and it's really designed for them to tell their story. And there's absolutely no judgment from me. Whatever they send me is absolutely kept confidential. Um, so I, I really encourage the free writing and I say, give yourself some quiet time. You know, don't write this when you're on the bus or on the train or something like that. We have a bunch of people swirling around you really give yourself just some quiet, uninterrupted time to just start writing and don't judge what they write. I tell them not to edit it. Just put down whatever comes in your mind. That's really the, the, the first tenant of free writing. Yeah. And, and free writing is, is one fight. I, I definitely encourage everyone I meet to just go through it and release their uh, barrier to it that may have come from school where it's structured a little bit differently. And it's, it's such a beautiful tool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Definitely. What, what inspires you to engage with everyone that you come across? Because there, you, you know, I imagine there may be times when, you know, the, the connection may or may not be there. Do you, do you have a practice that allows you to still engage effectively with those you work with? Yeah, so I, I think I know what you're asking. And, and yeah, so I, I've been lucky in that the people I've worked with, I've, I've felt a real sense of connection and engagement with. Mm. And so, um, you know, and the people that I don't, you know, typically – I'll refer them. I, I have no problem with referring them to, to someone else because typically if they're not interested or not aligned with the work that I do, then I usually can pick that up early on in the conversation and I'm more than happy to uh, pass them on to someone else who I think would be a better fit for them. Because I do have a network of, of other coaches, other professionals that I work with, and I'm always happy to pass, pass on someone that would be a better fit. Uh, I find that a, a really key learning point. You know, it's, it is that alignment that's so important. And I think, in, at least from my perspective in business, there's a thought that, no, you can just do business with anyone. In fact, there needs to be that alignment. And, and understanding that early on, you know, it's, it's that vetting process or that, that process of uh, finding that out. Is there, 
And I imagine that's just intuition for you, right? Well, some of it's intuition and some of it is just from a real practical perspective because I mentioned I have a background in human resources. So early on, I was attracting people that wanted help with resume writing and interviewing and, and those type of things. And that just wasn't aligned with what I wanted to do. So that was just very easy for me to say, no, I don't do that work. But hey, I know, you know three, four great coaches that would be you know, really good for you. And here's their name. Here's how to, how to contact them. Right. Now, I, I love one of these other quotes that you have. It's, I deliver inspired revelation. Yeah. Can, can you elaborate on that a little? So it, it really comes about from the reframing process that's really born out of working together from that collaborative process. And so the, the feedback and the comments that I get back from clients are that they just, quote, don't, they didn't realize how good they were <laughs> at what they did. Or, you know, it's, it's like a hell yeah, I'm really good at what I do, that kind of thing. So it, it inspires them to, um, it alters the, their, their blog post writing. It um, literally helps them um, use what I create for them to cut and paste and, and put on their website. You know, typically you'll see it on their about page or you'll see it, you know, woven throughout. Because in addition to the story writing, I also give suggestions, if they're an entrepreneur, about what I think that they should include that would help give more personality, more insight to who they are. And more often than not, it involves pictures. A lot of people are afraid to include pictures of themselves on the website. But for instance, I worked with a woman who um, had a variety of experiences in her life. She owned a social media marketing company. But prior to that, she had owned um, small boutique hotels in Latin America. And I said, you know, I would love to be able to see pictures of you in your element, just hanging out, you know, in the jungle. I think that would just really um, create such a, a more personable picture of who you are and what you do because, you know, she, she's complete, she was completely self-taught. She taught herself how to market and all that. But I would just think it, it would just show her trajectory from the beginning to um, now and, and also illustrates her braveness because she moves out completely out of her comfort zone and went to a company where, or a country, excuse me, where she did not know the language. Right. Images. That is powerful. And it's funny because the typical bio photo it comes to mind in the way we, uh, it's typically uh, altered and, and filled, the personality is filtered out of those bio pictures usually. Yeah, because it goes back to what we've, we have been previously taught about brand, you know, personal branding, which, you know, I'm, I'm just, don't like the, like the word because it's so one dimensional and the story actually puts um, flesh on the bone of, of who a person is. You know, it creates a living, breathing, um, tangible example of who someone is and what they do. Right, right. Now, are you familiar with the hero's journey? Yes, I am. Nice. So I, can you, you know, provide a bit of uh, a background that you have, you know, on, on a micro and macro level that, you know, that hero's journey you've taken that you could share with us that it has allowed you to really bring forth what, what you offer? Yeah, so I, I think always early on, um, even as a little kid, I always felt this sense of otherness. You know, I was a quiet kid. I was very introspective. You know, again, that's, you know, very aligned with what an introvert was. Um, labeled as shy, that kind of thing. So, again, I always felt a little bit like an outsider, which is not unlike uh, the hero's journey typically. Um, you feel a little bit separate from the pack. 
So that, that was my experience early on. And then I always knew that I was meant to do something different, although I didn't, you know, have the, the, the language or the vocabulary to articulate that at the time. So, um, in my particular case, you know, being quiet was seen as a virtue, <laughs> especially coming from a family where, you know, I had a sister who was very extroverted and very loud mouthed and got in trouble a lot. So, you know, those at the quiet attributes were actually a, an, a, um, a great thing to have until I got into school. Once I got into school, then it was, you know, the extroversion, um, the extrovert ideal was really um, uh, perpetuated throughout my whole school life. So, a little challenging for me, but you know, I was always able to find my groove uh, along the way. And I think that the path I chose was a typical safe path. I worked um, in, you know, for public accounting firms for the bulk of my career, you know, traditional nine to five job. I was, I was an HR manager, but I always wrote during that time, you know, sometimes even during work just to keep that outlet going. Um, I had a blog going. Um, I have, you know, very good friends that I write to. My best friend, we're letter writers, so we write each other letters back and forth. So that was another way to keep keep that that muscle going. Um, but my time in the corporate world was sort of my being time lost in the woods, if you will. Hmm. So um, once, you know, once I was in in that labyrinth of the woods, it's like in one way it was sheltering. But then the other ways, it was um, constricting because I wanted to, I wanted out <laughs> and I didn't know how to get out because, you know, your ego rises up and tells, you know, you've got a great job, a safe job and just be content with that. Right. And, and then you, that final realization came when you connected your, your writing with your true story and, and, and made a leap. Right. Well, so so my experience is, is a little interesting. Um, about two years ago, I had an epiphany while I was working for a company, and I was meeting with my boss at the time, and we were discussing all the additional responsibility I was given. You know, I kept saying, you know, I wanted this bigger role, you know, that kind of thing, and I was given it, which was great. But I realized quickly that bigger role was right, but the form was wrong. And so during that conversation, I remember very clearly that I no longer heard what was being said. Instead, I heard a voice, an internal voice that told me that it was time to go, that it was time to leave. And I was so scared. I was, I was like, where is this voice coming from? You know, why, why am I hearing this now? But, um, and I tried to dismiss it and, and had the you know, variety of, of emotions and tried to dismiss it while driving home. But I just had that knowing that I would leave and I would start my own thing. Nice. Now that's the hero's journey right there, definitely, because <laughs> you're the reluctant hero, and the voice is calling you out there, and you're reluctant, and you finally, yeah, you finally go. Nice. So, what uh, if if from what we've described already, there there's some great um, uh, habits that you you know inspire other people with, but is there are there some creative habits that we haven't you know covered that you'd like to share? You know, I'm trying to think. It's a really good question. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's, um, you know, I'm a very creative person, but I'm also very organized, too, which I think is, you know, again, lends itself well to, to the, the storytelling. I like to have all of my files organized. I have a, an intake sheet that I have, um, which almost seems counter to the creative process, but it really helps me um, keep things um, 
compartmentalize in a way that um, keeps me on track, keeps me focused, I guess. So I think most creative people need that, that ability to focus. Otherwise, you know, you, can, you have a tendency to be scattered all over the place. Right, so especially with no discipline. Yeah. Right, especially with technology and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, Kristen, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, it's been great, and I and I love what you're doing with, uh, you, you know, your business and your site. It's just it's so inspiring to see that. And I downloaded your four easy steps to to storytelling. So I, I encourage everybody to check it out. Oh, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation. <laughs> That concludes our podcast here with Creative Habits. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned next week when we reveal secrets from a travel fantasy author. Until then, keep those creative habits burning.